Blessed Assurance and welcome to Kingdom Christian Fellowship, KCF. We reveal the reality of the Kingdom of God and Christ Jesus in the lives of people all over the world. As you listen to this message, we pray that you are blessed and inspired to improve your relevance in the Kingdom of God. Wherever you are, just lift up your voice and begin to speak in the language of the Spirit. Just bless the name of the Lord. Once say thank you, Jesus, for a time like this, for this new day, this new opportunity to gather before His presence, to study the Word of God, to understand and to be ministered by Him. We receive life from Him. Lift up your voice and say, Father, we connect to You. We receive life. We receive Your Word. Clear your minds from everything that you are thinking of wherever you are in your home in your office just set your heart in 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 alignment and just say that father minister to me by your spirit minister to me by your light minister to me by your word in the name of jesus Zibadele, zibadele, zibadele. In the name of Jesus. Blessed assurance, mighty people. It's another day. It's another moment. And we thank God for this special season. Um, by the grace of God, we are coming your way with the Renew Your Mind service or the Kingdom Mindset service. And we thank God for this great opportunity. I want to thank God for the grace of God upon this ministry, KCF Ministries and Zion Impact Ministries. I want to salute the grace of God upon our Father, Apostle Kinsley J. Gotten. Wherever you are, I just want to give, I want you to give a shout. I want you to put your hands together to acknowledge the grace of God upon his life, upon his ministry. And pray that God will strengthen him. God will give him more oil. God will enlarge his horn. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank God for the life of all the ministers, the ordained ministers of this ministry, Prophet Hayford, Reverend Linda, Reverend Della, Reverend Roland, Reverend Keith, Reverend Andrew, Reverend Bell, Reverend Anna, Reverend Selassie, Reverend Chris, and Reverend Gabi, and Reverend Sami. God bless you wherever you are, and may God establish you and be with you. We thank God for all the other ministers, all the church workers, and especially for the media team, um, especially um, Kweku, who is helping us with this particular broadcast. Um, God bless you. Um, everyone, God bless you, and God bless you also for being a part of us. Hallelujah. By the special grace of God, we are coming to you again today um, to continue from where we left off. Right, and our journey to lay a background framework for the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to belabor the points and go over um, a number of the things that we've done already. So I'd encourage you to just go back to our social media pages, go back to our uh, what's it called podcast services, and then um, listen to our messages um, 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 on the kingdom. The key ones I recommend to you are the Ephesians series, the Kingdom Life Dynamics series, the Parable of the Kingdom, and um, basically for the Renew of Mind, all the three messages that Reverend Dela did, and then also the last one that we did um, the last time, that's the place of the kingdom or the context of the kingdom. We are looking at the part two today. Now, that time, um, the last time we met, right, we were able to lay the foundation of where we are coming from using the technology GPS. I'm not going to go into that, right? Um, but then we want to just do a refresher. We said God had a particular vision he wanted to execute, and he decided to, what's it called, um, start that particular agenda when he created the heavens and gave the earth over to man, God, in order to achieve his vision, decided to look for templates or for prototypes so that he could reveal certain aspects of his kingdom agenda through them. Now, like we mentioned the last time, the agenda or the concepts or the things that God revealed to the prototypes 
that he encountered. They were very, very fundamental just as we can migrate from just a number line to the concept of a GPS system or a three-dimensional graph system with the components of time, right? So it was just a simple thing like a number line, right? And he began to upgrade all the way till he was able to execute fully his vision or execute fully by communicating his vision. And this ended with even the embodiment of Christ Jesus here in the earth realm. And when Christ Jesus came, according to the book of Mark chapter 1, the very first statement out of the lips of Christ Jesus should be in red. Mark chapter 1, the verse number 5. The Bible says that, and God, and the Bible says that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So in order to receive the gospel message, in order to receive the kingdom message, there is a key word there, repent, right? That is the change of mind. So we looked at these prototype families, and I said we are journeying from the book of Genesis, and our hope is to end in the book of Acts. Now, we are not looking at all the stories. We are just looking at cardinal stories that demonstrated um, 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 how God revealed the kingdom to certain individuals, certain groups of people, certain nations, all the way to the book of Acts. Hallelujah. So, in our last session or meeting, we were able to look at Adam, who was the first template or the first man, right? And we looked at how Adam related to Noah because the kind of mandate, command, the kind of language that God used for Adam, God used a very, very similar one for Noah. As the Spirit of God hovered upon the face of the deep and upon the waters, and God said, let there be lights. In the case of Adam, the Bible said that when the flats were high and the whole earth was covered, God remembered Noah. And the people were th that were with him and the animals that were with him, and the Bible says that and God sent a wind. And the flood subsided, just like the Spirit of God hovering upon the waters. And there was restructuring after that. Hallelujah. Then we looked at Abraham being the patriarch that started the first family. And from him, the seed of the promise was moved all the way to Jacob. Now, when he got to Jacob and God encountered him, God gave him a name that was not just a personal name, but became the name for the entire first nation. It was a nationalistic name, not just an individual name. So God encountered the man Jacob who had received the promise given to Abraham. And then now he called him Israel. And now we got his, 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 his sons, 12 sons, being the brothers that became the cornerstone of that nation because all these 12 brothers had their families and their families began to increase and out of these 12 individuals we get the 12 tribes that in total make up the nation israel and we ended by the way israel broke forth out of egypt that 66 individuals in the book of genesis chapter 46 verse 26 left um went into Egypt, but then 600,000 men, besides women, besides children, in the book of Exodus chapter 12, came forth out of Egypt. And we looked at the significance of the people of Israel going into Egypt. Right. Now, outside of Egypt, so we are proceeding from where we are. We are looking at the context or the place of the kingdom. Part 2. When the kingdom of Israel or the nation of Israel broke out out of the womb of Israel, out of captivity, now, God had gotten one of, the corner, one of the main milestones he had. Now, he had the milestone with the first man. He had the second milestone with Abraham being the first patriarch and then the starting the first family. Now, he had gotten the first, the first nation. This nation had been incubated in the womb of Egypt. Now, they had broken forth. As a baby has shot as, as a baby shoots out of the womb. Now, when they shot out of the womb, now this was the prototype nation that God wanted to communicate his vision. So I want us to just study briefly today. Um, we are going to base our study, Bible study, on the book of Exodus. 
right? So we are going to look at the book of Exodus, and we are going to look at a number of chapters. We are not going to read everything. I'm not going to read everything, but we're just look at key points from the book of Exodus. And what I'm talking about in this book of Exodus, we are looking at now God has wants to reveal the kingdom mindset. He had gotten his prototype nation. Now let's see how God started communicating the kingdom mindset to this nation because his intention was that this kingdom, this first nation will become the first kingdom. I don't know if you are getting me. It will become the prototype kingdom. So he wanted to communicate his divine kingdom agenda into this first nation. Hallelujah. So we'll be delving into um, the book of Exodus and that's what we'll be looking at today. So again, copy this link Share with your friends, share on your status, share on your social media, on all the groups that you are on, share it there, notify your family, notify your friends that we are online this evening, and we are about to study the word of God briefly. So, let's start. Now, so if you have your Bible, um, if you have a fiscal Bible, that would be very, very great. But um, I want you to pick your Bible, especially if you have the New King James Bible, that would be fine. That would be awesome. So, in the book of Exodus chapter 11, we understand that there was the rise of Moses. Now, Moses came because when God planted the seed of 66 souls in the womb of Egypt, there was a gestation period, just like a woman gets pregnant, right? And that gestation period for a woman is nine months. In the ninth month, there are contentions, there are laborings, there is strife, there is conflict because the seed that was planted has reached maturity. And because it has reached maturity, the womb is no longer the right place for the seed to be in. So the seed, which has become a baby, needs to shoot out of the womb. Right, so that you can have your baby. Now, God planted 66 individuals in the womb of Egypt. And there was a gestation period of 400 years. Now, there were now contentions. There were now strife. There were now um, pains, groanings. And the womb of Egypt needed to release the baby that had been formed, the nation Israel, out of them. But then, because of their lack of insight into the ways, the will, and the operations of God, the Bible says that they wanted to subdue. It's like a mother who doesn't want to give birth in the ninth month and wants to keep the baby inside of its womb. And it's doing everything to press the baby, to prevent it from shooting out of the womb. The Bible says that the leaders of Egypt, a pharaoh arose who had not known Joseph because Joseph what about that implantation of the 66 people? I get to mean. So he didn't know Joseph. So he didn't know that the people of Israel, as they were growing, they were a family that were being established into tribes. That would become a baby called a baby nation called Israel. He, they had no understanding. So the Bible said they set taxmasters over them and they began to oppress them. And one of the comments they made was that these people should not be allowed to grow, should not be allowed to manifest their destiny because in the time of war, they might be in allegiance with our enemies and then they will fight us. So the womb of Egypt became a very small location and in the fullness of time, as the Bible says in Mark chapter 1 verse 5, in the fullness of time, then Christ came. Right? And then he decided to talk about the kingdom. The kingdom was Satan. In the fullness of time, God brought in Moses. And Moses was just an instrument. It was, was, was an instrument that was supposed to allow the labor process and the birthing process of the baby nation, Israel, to occur in a very, very seamless, quote-unquote, fashion. But what happened is that because of the resistance, they had to shoot forth by Great signs and great power. So when Moses came as a deliverer, it was now that the gestation period was now moving into overdrive because God promised 400 years. Now they had moved into their 430th year. It's like a baby that is supposed to be born in the ninth month. And then now the baby is moving um, past the ninth month into the 10th, 11th, 12th month. At that point in time, it becomes a critical case and you need to by force, evict the baby out, expel the baby out. So Moses came in, in the context of the kingdom, as that particular 
critical instrument to expel the baby nation Israel out of the womb of um, Egypt. So, God said that he gave and anointed Moses with several signs and powers. And this manifested and is dealing with the Pharaoh as ten plagues. We already know the ten plagues. Now, I am starting here because of the implication of the last plague. The implication of the last plague. The last plague happened in the book of Exodus chapter 11. We are not going to read it. But then we realize that the last plague had to do with the death of the firstborn. Now God struck the powerhouse of the firstborns of the people of Egypt. And then he also struck the firstborns. That's the powerhouse of the gods of Egypt. Now, one of the things that happened in the last plague was that the last plague was an open-ended plague. And that meant that as opposed to the previous plague where there was darkness in Egypt, but there was light in Goshen. There was water in um, Goshen, but then there was blood in Egypt. For the last plague, it was an open-ended plague, and it affected everyone in the land. So the people of Israel were affected by that plague, but they were given a precaution, a particular direction, a particular instruction that would exempt them from the implication of that last plague. And that last plague, it meant that if the people of Israel ignored the instruction of God, ignored the, the, the direction of God, and they failed to apply the blood upon their doorposts, their firstborns would be struck. Now, also, the converse is true. It means that if the people of Egypt believed or if there were certain families in Egypt and they believed in the direction of God and they marked their doorposts or they went into the house of any of their Egyptian neighbors with the blood on their doorposts, it meant that they were exempted from that plague. I get to me. So it meant that for you to be, for you to receive deliverance in the 10th plague, you need a special kind of belief in God. And that is how the kingdom starts. It starts with a special kind of belief in who God is. So the Bible says in the book of John chapter 1 that many didn't receive him. He came to his own. In verse number 11, all the way. He, they came, John chapter 1 verse 11. He came to his own, but they didn't receive him. But number 12, but as many that received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. Those that believed on his name. So he needed a certain realm of belief to be able to escape that 10th plague. Because of the implication of that 10th plague, in the chapter 12, there was the Passover all the way. And then there were regulations, and then by the end of the 10th plague, that's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 29, at midnight, the first ones began to die. So out of that 10th plague, the Bible says that the Pharaoh and his, and the Pharaoh at the time and his government, they became vexed. And the Bible says that they kind of push them out of Egypt. That's what I'm talking about. Using a scenario of birthing and the birth pangs. They pushed the baby nation Israel out of Egypt. When they were pushed out, God granted them favor that they came with the wealth. The Bible used the word, the Bible uses the word in some other place that and the people of Israel, they spoiled Egypt. Now the word spoil is not like spoiling something or breaking something or damaging. It was a concept used in war where you ransack after defeating a, a, a nation in a war, you ransack them. So it was the spoils. So the spoils of war, it means you ransack them. All the things that they came. So the Bible used that, that same way. They spoiled Egypt. They ransacked Egypt. I get to mean. And that's the same thing that happens. When a womb incubates you with all the things, amniotic fluid and everything, when the baby is pushed out, you actually spoil that environment. I get to mean. Until that place, there is healing, whatever it is, until a new baby can be received. So they spoiled Egypt. They were pushed out. Right? So I want you to understand what I'm using. The baby nation Israel was born out of the womb of Egypt. So it was a fresh baby. They were new individuals. They were a group of people. Of course, I mean, I'm using the word fresh baby figuratively, but they were people who knew nothing about what they had to do because all their lives 
they had been slaves. So when they came out, just like a baby, they needed some kind of orientation. Just like a baby, you needed to then copy. When someone smiles at the baby, you smile at the baby. The baby smiles back. You, the baby begins to le- learn sounds, begin to use their hands, begin to use their legs because they are copying. Now, God found this baby nation Israel as the right, in the right framework. So it was the perfect prototype for God to come in and then release his vision or his agenda of the kingdom into their spirits, into their mind, into their culture. So we jump to the book of Exodus chapter 12, and there were the regulations for the Passover. But they realized that because of the implication of the first plague, so in chapter 12, they've left Egypt, because of the implication of the last plague in Exodus chapter 11, in Exodus chapter 13, there was the consecration of the firstborns. So now God said is that, what God is saying that, since I broke the firstborn, the powerhouse of the people of Egypt and the firstborn of Egypt, but then you believed in me and were exempted because of the Passover. Now every firstborn, the one that opened the womb, I want to establish a covenant with you concerning that first one. So God consecrated all the firstborns. And in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 13, the verse number 2, then the verse number one said, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, the verse number two, consecrate to me all the firstborns. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. So it's because of the implication of the last plague. Right? So as the as God broke the powerhouse, being the firstborns of the people of Egypt and the gods of Egypt, God took every firstborn of the children of Israel and established a covenant with them that nothing like that that would break their powerhouse would happen again. God, God, God took them. I get to me. Then there were a number of things, like the feast of the unleavened bread. There was the law that surrounds the firstborns. And then in the chapter 13, the verse number 17 down, this, if, if you are using the King James, New King James Version, the title there should be the wilderness journey. God then, after curing the effects of the last plague, decided to now give them the map, decided to give them the journey, decided to give them their GPS devices and say that this is where we are going. We are going to journey from this point all the way to that promised land. And this is the route I'm going to use. We already talked about GPS. God knew their location God knew the destination and then he decided to draw it out. Now, when you pick your phone and you enter a location into Google Maps, you can see the various locations and there are options, especially when there's a long route, when there's development going on, when there's traffic, you can get a short route, you can get, sometimes the fastest route might not be the shortest because of traffic. The fastest route might not be the shortest because of traffic. Now, the people of Israel expected, and for many of us, we expected, because you say that, oh, the distance between Egypt and the promised land was an 11-day journey, a three-day journey, whatever. And it, God could have simply used the fastest route. No, God didn't use the shortest route. We expected that God used the shortest route. God didn't use the shortest route. God used the fastest route that would accomplish the purpose of instilling in their hearts and in their minds. The vision of the kingdom. I get to me. So yes, and God explained it that we could move through here, and then you get to the promised land very soon. But He says that ah, you people, you don't know, you've not, you've not lived as a unit by yourself. If you encounter any war, you will turn back. So God used the spiritual fastest route, not in terms of distance and location. But the route that would imprint on the hearts and the minds of this new baby nation, Israel, that they would get the message, the mandate, the understanding of the kingdom. I get to me. So then they began to encounter a number of obstacles. And all of this was intentionally designed by God so that as they were journeying, as they have left Egypt, God will begin, to, will begin to take Egypt out of them. That, as Jesus said, repent. But it's not just taking out repent, um, Egypt out of them. It's about filling them with the knowledge of the kingdom, the ways of God, 
the acts of God, the culture that God wanted them to build, the way of life of the people. So in Genesis, Exodus chapter 14, they encountered the Red Sea. And God was perplexed that they were complaining. So God asked Moses, why do you cry before me? Ask the people of Israel to move. Then in the book of Exodus chapter 15, they were now excited by that miracle. Moses gave a song. The women and Miriam gave a song. And they lifted up their, their voice because they saw the right hand of God come in in a miraculous and a very, very tangible way. Now, this is what happens in the life of a Christian. You are birthed out of the womb of God, out from a background of Egypt, out of the world. You are pushed out and you become a fresh baby because you don't enter into the kingdom. And then as a new believer, God begins to act massively in your life. You pray five minutes, and then there are crusade-like miracles happening to you. How many people understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the freshness and the sweetness of your born-again experience. That is, if you are properly born again and had that true experience. But if not, may the grace of God locate me. You can send us a message on this so that we'll speak to you. Anyways, so there was that newness, that born-again experience where you pray for five minutes and then miracles that should have taken 30 years of fasting begin to happen in your life. And you come to church and say, oh, God is good, God is good because you have been introduced to the goodness of God. That's what happens. As the nation of Israel was born into the kingdom mindset, God demonstrated to them his goodness because he wanted them to know that there was someone that cared for them. There was someone that wanted to be good to them so that when he got their heart, he could then release his word, release his mindset, his agenda, his culture into them. So they had a great miracle. In Exodus chapter 15, there was a song. And Miriam sang, Moses sang, the people of Israel jubilated. Then right after that, they forgot about the goodness of God, just like babies do. Babies can forget about the good things that you do to them. Baby Christians would forget about the good things that God did. And then they forget about their testimony of yesterday night. And then right away, they go back into complaining. So they encountered another situation where they wanted bread. They were hungry. And God came in miraculously. Then they encountered another situation in Exodus chapter 17. And now they were not asking for bread. They were asking for water. And God came in miraculously. Now, you realize that in the introduction of these two things... There was the deliverance out of Egypt. There was the Red Sea. They realized that they went to two main things. Food and water. Food and what? Water. If you jump to the book of Romans chapter 13, when Paul decided to explain and give one of the clearest definitions of what the kingdom is, that is Romans chapter 14. The key verse I'm looking for is the verse number 17, I believe. Romans chapter 14. Let me open it. The verse number 17. This is what the Bible says. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not what? Eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When the kingdom of, of, when the nation Israel was born into the kingdom first, the first thing that they came as a request, they came with as a request, was food, eating, water, drinking. The Bible says that the kingdom is not eating and drinking, but then the kingdom is something else. So, if I want to describe what a nation is, eating and drinking becomes the core pillars that forms the culture of a group of people. It becomes the core pillars. If I can change what you eat and what you drink, I can change who you are. So, the Bible says that in the case of the Hebrew boys in the land of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, the Bible says that they came in as slaves. When they came in, they had no choice. Names were placed upon them. 
that was an injunction, a, 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 a way to change their identity. They were learned, they were taught the manner and the and the principles and the literature of Babylon. They had no choice. But then the Bible says that in the place where they had the choice, they said, God forbid, I will not eat of the king's meat and the king's drink. The portion that came from the king's table, I will not touch it. Because eating and drinking becomes the foundation in which you will have a say when you want to be able to control the kind of culture you form. So, when I'm talking about eating and drinking, I'm just talking about food and water. I'm talking about the things that get into you. We realize that the first template, Adam, he fell on the basis of eating and drinking. But then the second Adam overcame the enemy on the basis of what? Eating and drinking. So, when you realize, when the nation Israel was born into the kingdom, just like a baby Christian, you have issues with what? Eating and drinking. Eating and drinking, I'm talking about things that have to do with food, things that have to do with water, things that have to do with drink, drinks that are sweating in the fridge, whether they are 0% alcohol, 0.5% alcohol, you are struggling with that. Things, I'm talking about eating, things that you are feeding your eyes on, certain music that you listen to, the things you are eating in your ears. The things you are eating in your mind. The things you are eating and drinking in your heart. I'm talking about the area of sex also. The things you are eating and drinking. There's an issue with that. But the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not what? Eating and drinking. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So there's an issue of what? The first premise of the character of a man. His needs. The character of man which comes from the nature of the flesh. A sensory being, eating and drinking. So Jesus came when he started talking about the kingdom. And he says that, in the book of Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't think about what you eat. Don't think about what you drink. Don't think about what you wear. Forget Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The fundamental being the physiological needs. Food, drink, shelter, clothing. The basic form of security. Forget that. See, the kingdom of God is not that. So God came in because they had an issue with food. God intervened. They had an issue of drinking. God intervened. In the book of Exodus chapter 17. And now they were fine. When they were fine, then they moved into Exodus chapter 17, the verse number 8. Then we have one of their next, their, their very first battle. Right? And they had a particular battle with the Amalekites. And Moses went up as their leader, as their spiritual covering, lifted up his hands. And that is where, as a newborn baby, as God begins to win you off the natural, basic instincts of the flesh, eating and drinking, you realize that because you can't control your eating and your drinking, you can't control what you are watching, can't control what you are listening to, can't control the people you are interacting with, so there are issues of what? Sin. And it begins to plague you with the burdens of guilt and all of that. But then, just like the battle of the Amalekites, someone needs to be elevated with his hands lifted up. You begin to submit yourself under the authority. I know, under the authority of God, under the authority of the kingdom of God. But then there is someone who is set over you as a father, a spiritual father, your pastor, your shepherd, and they begin to do battle for you. So you begin to realize that someone stands in the gap and begins to pray for you and realize that, oh, now these things, you realize that your, your, your appetites are changing. They begin to pray for you, break the seed of lust, break the dominion of lust, the dominion of, of sleep, the dominion of wastefulness, and all of those things. And you see that there's deliverance that's coming. That's what happened. The baby nation Israel entered into battle, but Moses sat in the place as a covering, and then they won their battle. Right? The Bible says that, and Moses built an altar. And the name of that altar is the Lord is my banner. In Exodus chapter 17, the verse number 15. The Lord is my banner. Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi. Right? So as a baby Christian, you realize that you need to get into a place where you have a covering over you. Um, I'm, I'm talking about people, when you use the word Christian, but I'm talking about the, 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 the route that has been paved for someone that is born into the kingdom anew. The Bible says, 
in John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking about the kingdom and entering into the kingdom, he used the word being born again. So when you enter into the kingdom, it has the connotation that you know nothing. You are a baby. So there are steps. There are stages of development. I get to me. There are stages of development. And one of the stages of development is that when you begin to have control over your appetite, you need someone to lay up a banner over you. That is where you begin to receive teachings. You need to receive um, covering, protection. Someone begins to call on you, check up on you, to make sure that you don't give up. I get to me. Why are you with me so far? Say amen, wherever you are. Amen. So, now, the people of Israel now had Moses sitting up as a banner, as a covering over them. Now, when they... So, we talked about eating and drinking and then the banner, right? So now they had to tame their appetites, tame their whatever, and they had someone they can go to. Now, that resulted in the work of Moses, their covering. He became overburdened because the issues that ensued, like I said, food, eating and drinking becomes the cornerstone of how to build culture. When culture we know culture as the way of life. When people begin to interact, there are always going to be issues. So Moses was a covering, but then now he also had to be in the position where he could deal with the interpersonal struggles of the people. So the father-in-law of Moses came and says, Moses, this is not the mandate that God has given to you. You have a mandate to connect these people to God and then for God to be able to release unto them his kingdom agenda. So, organize yourself and begin to administer with create, create a particular structure so that you can have an effective influence from the very top all the way to the last. So, Moses put in place according to the advice of his father-in-law and he set up a group of 70 judges. He placed his spirit upon them and then they began to administer. Now, God then saw, based on the advice of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, that now he has found not just a nation. Listen, the nation Israel had been born. But then when Moses established that structure, that was the first template for government in the nation. Listen to me. That was what? The first template for government in the nation. Because, as we said... Kingdom business is family business. When you look at the family life of kingdom behavior, we are looking at all the interpersonal relationship and how things are, whatever, whatever, whatever. But then you need to go above and look at the structures in place. When the structures are set in place properly, then you can have a structure for government. You can have a structure for leadership. You can have a structure for influence. Are you getting me? So Moses had to deal with the people under him. The people under him have to do with the people under him. Then they have to do with the people under them, the people under them. Then that means that by that structure of government, we can then reach everyone. So when God saw that template, that was the first template of government. And God said, okay, now I can come in. Because the nation had been born. Just like an individual. Um, you have been born into the kingdom. You are struggling with sin. There is no problem with that. The problem is that you must outgo them. Struggling with sin, struggling with what you are eating, struggling with what you are drinking, struggling with what you are watching, struggling with what you are listening to. Then you now get aligned to someone who becomes a, a shepherd over you, a banner over you. Right after that, you must then begin to have structure in your life. The discipline, the moves of the spirit. You no longer go. So, 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 so um, 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 Jesus spoke to um, Peter. He said that you will get to a time and then you will be led by the hand to a place you don't want to go. That is what Jesus said. When he, that's what Jesus meant when he said in, in Matthew chapter 6 that your kingdom come, your will, there's a structure that must employ, that, that must deploy the will of God into the affairs of man. That, in that case, there is, there, is no, there is no allowance for deviation. You must conform to that structure. That is where the government of God comes in. So he can reveal the kingdom. But then when God saw that Moses established a structure, he saw the first template for what? Government. We have looked at the first template for the first template of man, the first template of the family with the patriarch, the first template of the family and then the nation. But then when Moses established his leadership, there was not the first template for government or the first template for administration. As soon as that came into being, now God said in Exodus chapter 19, 
God said to the people, to Moses, now I want to talk to my people. Because I want them to know that kingdom affairs is family affair. They have now been able to understand themselves as a family. The judges are handling that. But the administration needs to move beyond that and will now enter into kingdom business. Governance, influence, dominion, subduing, spreading. The structures that the kingdom or the spirit of God must bring into your life. The word, the prayer, thanksgiving, giving. These structures, as you mature, realize that ah, it's not you don't give an offering because you want to. You don't sing and praise God because you want to. There must be structure. You realize that when the Bible says that give thanks in all ways, it's not because it's a suggestion. It is a structure. It's a key. So Jesus was speaking to his disciples and says, and now give you the keys of the kingdom. This is what I'm talking about. The structure of governance, the key. Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me explain what I'm talking about. Keys, and I'm talking about structure, and I'm talking about government. Now, when the Queen Elizabeth died, right, even before her funeral, before the, her, the, the heir, King Charles, or, yeah, I mean, the next, the, the one currently in the, in, in, in the, on the throne, before that person could rule, and even before he could be coronated, the, 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 the story makes us understand that that person, right, he went to Scotland, because that's where they are, I mean, King Charles, I believe, yeah. He went into Scotland, or one of the territories where they came from, and if you, if you listen and pay attention to the news, you realize that the government, or the people of that town, of that county, of that nation, they met him at the entry point, I believe at the, at the, at the airport, or one of the entry points at the border, or whatever, and, and, the, and the news says that, and they handed over the keys of Scotland to the new king. They handed over the keys of the nation to him. So Jesus said, when I was talking to um, Peter, and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. So when God is giving you the keys of structure, it's not just keys for you to access things. It's the keys that establishes government. I get me. So we have the keys of prayer. We have the keys of giving. We have the keys of fasting. We have the keys of your intimacy and your work with God. Righteousness, holiness, all of those things. The things, there are structures in place that must move you into the realm of government. So when God saw that Moses had established his first administration, it became the first government. Oh, do you understand me? We now had the structure or keys so that God could influence. So, Let's look at that particular government um, from here. So the Bible says that in the book of Exodus chapter 19, when now God saw that something had been set in place, structure, administration, government, in Exodus chapter 19 verse 5, the Bible says, Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. The verse number six. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the children of Israel. These are the words that you shall rehearse in the ears of the children of Israel. The verse number six. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. And the holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the children of Israel. God moved them from the framework of just being a family. Just treating them as children. And says, now you must move into a realm. Because I am isolating you as my template. I am isolating you as my prototype. When you begin to have structure. When the administration of the spirit of God in your life. God begins to isolate you. So that he would use you as a special symbol. As a special prototype. To demonstrate the kingdom of God. The government of the kingdom of God. In your family. In your workplace. In your country. In the things you are doing. God wants you to exit the mindset of the kingdom but first you must have you must be under his influence you must have the structure the administration of the spirit of god so this is what god said now if you look at this particular scripture in exodus chapter 19 verse 5 and 6 he says that and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests you realize that when the people of israel left god was rehearsing 
and saying back the, 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 the covenant he had with Abraham, he said it again. So he, tell me, he was standing there and said, you are coming out of Egypt and your in, my intention is not for you to just be like the other nations. Your nation should be, the Bible says, holy, which means, and Reverend Allah explained that, holy is the word set apart, is the word sanctified. Holy means that it is different. Holiness has to do with uniqueness. So he says that you shall be to me a unique nation, a prototype nation, a very distinct nation, a distinguished nation. He says that you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. You shall be to me not just a kingdom of farmers, not just a kingdom of warriors, not just a kingdom of what, um, whatever it is, but a kingdom of priests. That means that priests, they are the people that stand in between God and the people, in between God and the earth, in between God and circumstances. A kingdom of people who understand how to rule, but then their rulership is connected to heaven. A kingdom of priests. So, are you a kingdom? Are you a kingdom man? Are you a, 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 a kingdom priest in your office? That means that you must be ruling in your office, but then not just in terms of your KPI accomplishment, not just in the kind of money you are making, but then you must stand in your office as a priest. That means that you mediate between God and that company. Are you a kingdom priest in your family? Not just the fact that you are giving birth. Not just the fact that you are buying things for your children. Not just the fact that you are taking your children to the best schools. Not just the fact that you are taking your family to the best places for vacation. But then as a kingdom priest in your family, that means that you interface between your family and God. That is why Apostle keeps saying that anytime, anyone, any family, any company, any country, any part of the world has an issue... The issue has not to do, it doesn't have to do with the devil. It has to do with the man. It is your fault. It is my fault that there's a problem in my family. That there's a problem in your family. That there's a problem in Ghana. That there's a problem in the church. It is my fault and it is your fault. It is my fault because the concept of the kingdom is a concept of what? Priesthood. Someone who is an intercessor. So when they say get up and pray at night, it is not because praying gives you anything Praying makes your voice cause. Praying gives you a car. Praying gives you a wife. No. If your prayer in this point in your work with God has to do with food, eating and drinking, has to do with clothing, shelter, the car you drive, oh, then you're not praying. You're not praying. So he says, a kingdom of priests. That means that people who act as intermediaries, as mediators, as intercessors, that was what the man Abraham was. That was what the man um, Noah was. Moses stood in between God and the earth. And then he selected a few in his family. He selected a few. If he had been able to um, break through, there would have been more than just his family in the booth. But the people didn't listen to him. But he was standing in between them and God. He was preaching. Repent. Repent. There's a flood coming. The anger of God is coming. God is about to do a new thing. Repent. Be part of what God is doing. And he went out into the fields. Called all the animals. He stood as a priest between God and man. And that is what your assignment in the kingdom is. So you are born again. I said you are born out of Egypt. Out of the world. You enter into the kingdom. You are dealing with issues of your flesh. You're dealing with the issues of your appetite. Dealing with the issues of your desires. Eating and drinking. But then God comes in. You, are, you get a banner over you. God establishes his administration. The administration of the spirit of God. The spirit of God begins to instruct you. You no longer say that, oh, I don't feel like fasting. As you're about to put the watch in your mouth, then the Holy Spirit will say you are fasting today. It doesn't even tell you what, what you are fasting for. But then it just says pray. And then as you are praying, Begins to release to you because you are a kingdom. They say the reason you are fasting and you are praying today because I want you to pray for your neighbor, someone in the choir that you don't even talk to, someone in your in your office, in the finance team that you don't even talk to because you are in the IT team. Begin to pray for that person. You are working in your identity as a kingdom person, where you interface as a priest, as an intermediary, as a mediator between God and the people under you. Because I said, the mandate is to have dominion and to subdue. But in order to subdue and have dominion properly, you must know the template. You must know the instruction. You must know the code that you are implementing. And as a priest, you interface between God. So God said in 5 and 6, Now, therefore, if you listen to me, you shall be my special treasure 
We've talked about that already. And especially Israel to be above all people. And that is why the kingdom of Israel has been elevated. Whether you like it or not, they are special people because God entered into a covenant with them on the basis of their faithfulness to God. The patriarchs that led them. Right? So God entered into that covenant with them. It says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A nation that is set apart. A family that is set apart. Kingdom business is family business. Nation business is family business. And family that is set apart. Your, your business should be set apart. Hallelujah. It is on this particular premise when God began to now speak to them, was now introducing himself to them. And then the Bible says, then he called them forth. Now you have to understand what happened in the book of Exodus chapter 19. That's the story about the Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 20, we have the Ten Commandments. But I want you, I want you to understand what happens between the journey between Exodus chapter 19 to Exodus chapter 20. There's something critical that you need to understand. Now, when God called the first patriarch to start the first family, there was no rule there was no instruction. The only thing that God said to um, Abraham at the time, in, I believe, um, well, in the book of Genesis, I believe chapter 17 or so, right? He told him that he should walk before me. Okay, so yeah, Genesis chapter 17, the verse number one. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham. And said to him, I am the Lord, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Genesis chapter 17 verse 1. When God called this prototype, Abraham, says walk before me and be blameless. So when God came to Genesis chapter 19, and then now he had the prototype nation Israel. That was the mindset that God came with all. God wanted the people to walk before him and be blameless. Now, the implication of walk before me and be blameless was that maintain a relationship. That is where we got righteousness being given, conferred unto Abraham. So God wanted to give them the same, confer upon them the nature of righteousness by them being in relationship. And for you to be in relationship with the king of heaven, you must have intimacy. That means that you must be where he is and he must be where you are. So the Bible says, when God said to the people, be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, then he told um, 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 Moses that tell the people to get themselves ready. He says, I am coming. Because that is the premise of intimacy. I just want to be where you are. You must be where the person is. There must be some kind of intimacy. For, there must be some kind of communion. So when God came, as he gave the mandate to Abraham, walk before me and be blameless, and that mandate was based on the mandate of intimacy, communion, relationship, which bred righteousness. God says, I am coming. I want to have a relationship with my people. And the Bible says in Exodus chapter 19, verse 16, that, and it came to pass on the third day when God came to his people, when God came to his people, that there were thunderings, there were lightnings, and there was a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was so loud. So look at what the Bible said. So the people, Exodus chapter 19, verse 17, verse, verse 16. So the people, all of them, who were in the camp, they trembled, they trembled, they trembled, they were afraid. Intimacy, God came to them. Because of the manifestation of God's presence and power, the Bible says that they trembled. The Bible says, continued in the number 18, that the whole mountain shook and everything. But then if you look at, I'm talking about the premise of what? Intimacy. I'm talking about what? The premise of intimacy. So if you go all the way down, the Bible says that, then the Lord came and the Lord called in the verse number 20. In the verse number 20. The Bible says, then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai, on top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And Moses went up. And Moses went up. When there were thunderings, lightnings, thick darkness, the Bible says that Moses, he went up. 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 Moses was able to find God 
in that thick cloud. Because God wanted to establish the framework of his kingdom on the premise of relationship. But the people trembled. The people trembled. So the Bible says that, and God called Moses, number 20, and Moses went up. And Moses went up. When Moses went up, now God had a discussion with Moses and said, See, Abraham was with me. When, now, when you are in fellowship, right, and there are no rules, it means that there can't be sin, there can't be an error, there can't be a breaking or what we call a transgression because there's no, there's no standard. What it means is that you must be in the place of flexibility, in the place of adjustment. So, if you are in a relationship, a love relationship, relationships shouldn't start with the concept of rules. That's one of the things that Apostle will teach you or Apostle keeps hammering when you are doing marriage counseling. Don't start your relationship with rules. You must cook on this day. You must come home at 10 p.m. You must do this. Because when you create that, by the weakness of man, there will be error, transgression. I get me. But if you start on the premise of intimacy, it means that you are adjustable, you are flexible. And that's, what, that's why the Holy Spirit comes in the form of wind, in the form of a dove, delicate, in the form of fire. No form, something that seems simply, because you must be adjustable. So the Bible says that those that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. But the Bible before then said that for the wind blows... Wherever it lists, just like the Spirit, just like the sons of God, just like those who are led, it's like there is no formula. But the formula is flexibility. The formula is the ability to adjust. The formula is to be able to be in sync. That's what it is, to be in sync. So that's where the relationship with the Spirit of God, it seems like there is no formula. And say, okay, flow. Don't limit, don't quench the Spirit of God. Don't put structures, that, don't use your structures to confine the Spirit of God. Be in a, in a place where you can, you can change, in a place where you can, you know, flow, dance. And that's why the Bible says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, it is peace, it is joy, joy in the Holy Ghost. A place where there is, you know, the concept of joy, you are, you know, in sync, you are flowing. You're, there's nothing worrying you. There's nothing that has become a limitation. That is what God wanted. When God was having the conversation with Moses on the mountain, he says, this is what I wanted. But my people are afraid. So the Bible says that he looked at the first template of Abraham, his relationship of intimacy that bared righteousness, and he began to codify the life of, Moses, the life of Abraham. And out of him codifying the life of Moses, God ensured that so far as he has come onto the mountain, God said, so far as I've come onto the mountain, you must at least hear my voice. So God began to speak to the people. They could not hear. Out of it came the Ten Commandments. So when you come to Exodus chapter 20, now we have the Ten Commandments. To the verse number 19, to the verse, Exodus chapter 20, the verse number, the verse number 18, look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, now all the people witnessed the, town, the, the thunderings, the lightnings, the flashes, the sound of trumpets, the smoking, and they all trembled. And the Bible says, they stood afar off. The verse number 19, Exodus chapter 20, the verse number 19. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us, we will hear you, but do not let God speak to us. If there is no communication, there can't be intimacy, there can't be a flexibility, there can't be adjustment. Then the Bible says in the verse number 20, and Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off. Look at the verse number 21. Hey, underline that verse in your Bible. So the people stood afar off. But Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Because when God came to his nation and he wanted to express his kingdom agenda, his first option was an option of intimacy, communion, relationship. So Moses was able to go in the thick darkness and find God. And be where God was. But the Bible says the people stood afar off. Because they stood afar off, God had no choice but to still communicate his intention. And he gave his intention in the form of quotes. And they became the Ten Commandments. The Ten Laws. And out of it came the several laws. If they had been where God was, and they decided to partake in his presence, partake in his mind, partake in his, 
in the fellowship, in this interaction, this, you know, flexibility, adjusting when God adjusts. There will be no loss because that's what the Bible says. Genesis chapter 17 verse 1. Walk before me and be blameless. So far as you are before me, when you are going off, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll not allow you to enter into corruption. That's what David said. For you will not allow your holy one to enter into corruption. You don't allow you to enter into blame. Walk before me and be blameless. So that's what God did. They couldn't accept his intimacy. So the Bible says that he gave them the codified letter of the law. And the Bible says, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives them. Anytime someone gives you a law, they have introduced to you a seed of death. <laughs> uh, I'm, we'll talk about that later on. Anytime someone gives you, okay, we're about to start something, and the person says that this is a contract that should define our relationship, they've given to you a seed of death because the letter killeth. By all means, someone will make a mistake. And when you break the law, there will be consequences. So when God started, his intention was not to give them the law. Because he knows that when I give the law, I've given death. I've given sin. He didn't want that. So Abraham, the Bible said that he was blameless. Abraham had a second wife. Abraham had multiple children. Abraham misinterpreted the prophecy of God and went to give birth to Ishmael. But the Bible says that he was blameless because there was no law. He was blameless. So Paul, when he came to the book of Romans, he said that before the law, I knew no sin. There was death that was reigning. Yes, but then I knew no sin. I get to me so far. So in our relationship as kingdom people, what we must be looking for is relationship with the spirit of God. Intimacy. That is the foundation of the kingdom. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So without the Holy Ghost, there is no kingdom. In the Holy Ghost, that means that the government of the kingdom of the Holy Spirit must govern our lives. And that government is a flexible government. There is structure. Yes, I've already acknowledged that. There is structure. But that structure is about you adjusting. That ability to adjust easily. When we we get the word righteousness. Being in alignment, 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 alignment. Hallelujah. I think I would end here. And by the grace of God, would continue at another time would continue at a lot of time. So, just lift up your voice wherever you are. Just begin to speak in the language of the Spirit. Your prayer is that, Father, as you bear me into the kingdom, Father, may I be in relationship. May I be in intimacy. May I be in communion. May my life with you be founded in the Spirit of God. Father, move me above the realms of law. Move me above the realms of guidelines into the realm where I know your heart, where I know your mind. The Bible says that the the children of Israel, they stood afar off. But Moses looked into the darkness and he found God. And verse number 21, the Bible says that, and Moses drew near. Into the darkness where God was. I just want to be where you are. Father, bring me to the place where you are. Dwelling daily in your presence. Bring me to the place where you dwell. That is the life of the kingdom. You are where God is. You see, when you have this as the premise for righteousness, if you have this as the premise for regulating your life, you realize that what, what Paul says in the book of Romans chapter Eight, that now therefore there is no condemnation. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. You realize that it's no longer just a saying, but it's actually a reality. Because the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8, it says that now therefore there is no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh. But the Bible says, according to the spirit. If you live in the realm of the spirit, where you are guided by his heart, you are guided by his intention, there's no condemnation. That is where Moses was. He located God in the darkness and drew near to where God was. But the people of Israel, the Bible said, they stood afar off. I don't know what keeps you drawing away far from God. 
But my prayer for you today is that fear will leave you and that God will draw you close. Make a step to be close to the Spirit of God, my brother. Make a step to be close to the Spirit of God, my sister. Make a step to be close to the Spirit of God. Walk in that realm where the Spirit governs your life and be blameless. Because you can't do it by your strength. You can't do it by your intellect. You can't do it by your code of ethics. I promise you, your code of ethics would fail. Your code of morality will fail. But the code of the Spirit, which is far superior than the code of the law... See, as, 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 as a student living by the Anna Code, the Anna Code should be a very, very basic thing. You live far above because you have the code of the Spirit. So that there is now therefore no condemnation to those who, work according, um, who do not work according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That is where you must be. According to the Spirit. According, it says in the, verse, in, the chapter, in the verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of Christ Jesus has made me free. I pray that the Spirit of God will make you free from the law of sin and death. Because law of sin and death came as a result when there was a codification of the relationship of Abraham in the Ten Commandments. There was transgression, there was sin, and there was death. Pray that the Spirit of God will set you free. In the area where you are struggling, concerning eating, drinking, shelter, your actions, your reactions, pray that the Spirit of God will set you free. Pray that the Spirit of God will liberate your mind. The Spirit of God will liberate your heart. And that God will have his full work in you. In the name of Jesus. We'll see you again next week by the grace of God. God bless you. Even in Jesus' name we pray. Plenty love from the altar of Zion Impact, um, Glory Mount, and from Apostle Kingsley J. Godson, our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this, share it with someone and be an agent of impactful change for the kingdom of God. God bless you.